to the Prophecy Club. Here's what I'm going to do. For the next several broadcasts, I'm going to be teaching through the book of Revelation. Well, why? Because the Bible basically says, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. So I think that there's probably a lot of people that would like to understand Revelation better. And I think there's a lot of our listeners that would like to hear my opinion on it in that I memorized the book of Revelation a couple of years ago. Which, by the way, I'd like to be able to say that I can just remember it all and I don't have to refresh, but that's not true. I spend probably eight hours every month refreshing my memory on the book of Revelation, or it just goes. I'm now 66 years old, and maybe it's a stamp thing, or maybe maybe it's a 66-year-old thing, but all I know is I have to refresh it all the time. But I think that you would probably like to know some of the insight and the revelations that I got by memorizing the book of Revelation because my opinion changed in, I started to say several ways, but I don't even think that's accurate. I would say in many ways, like, for example, and we'll get there, but like on the four horsemen of the apocalypse, okay, my opinion has changed on that drastically because as you know, when you memorize a scripture, it's like the spirit of that scripture gets in your heart and you understand it deeper. And as the prophecy said, God gave me the spirit of revelation. And I think it was because I memorized the book. Okay. So for this segment, it will be important that you have your Bible in front of you. And it would be really nice if you had already read my book. And if you had my charts in front of you, because we're going to be referring to those charts quite a bit. Revelation one one. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. Now, a lot of people think that it was actually Jesus that actually appeared to John to give him the book of Revelation. That's not true. It was actually his angel, just as he said. And towards the end of the book, the last chapter, he also confirms it again that he sent his angel. So, this angel, while it's kind of describing Jesus, it specifically says it's describing the angel that he sent. It's not Jesus. It's the angel that he sent. Remember, it says things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God, three things, and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. So the angel was sent to John, and John was sent to bear record of the fact that this angel was sent. Now, a lot of people say, oh, well, if you just read Revelation, you get a blessing. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't deny that. There's a certain degree of blessing, but that's not exactly what it's saying. Let me read it. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. That would be nice if it just stopped there, but it didn't just stop there. And keep those things which are written therein for the times at hand. Meaning, yes, you get a blessing for reading it, hearing it, but you really get a blessing for keeping it. Now, what does keeping it mean? I don't necessarily think that you have to memorize the whole book of Revelation to receive this blessing. But I do think that it's saying that you at least keep it on the forefront of your mind, you're desiring to see, and you're watching to see how it comes to pass. And also, I think it means that you're living your life in light of it. In other words, you just didn't read it 25 years ago and hadn't read it since. It means on an occasional basis, you read the book of Revelation, and you're watching for it to come to pass. 
John to the seven churches, which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come. In other words, this is John writing a letter to the seven churches, but he says his, he's writing it on behalf of Jesus who sent his angel. So it says, which is, which was, which is to come, which is talking about Jesus, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, meaning that's the Holy Spirit. So, you know, most of the New Testament refers to the Holy Spirit just as the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. However, more specifically, Revelation says it's actually seven spirits. He refers to those seven spirits as the seven lamps before the throne of God, the seven stars, the seven churches, all the same thing. It's referring to the Holy Spirit, but I think it is also the candlesticks, as we'll read here in just a second, refers specifically to the seven churches. And we're going to talk about why those seven churches are so important. And you do need to understand them, surprisingly, in order to understand what Revelation is saying for the future. Verse 5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. Now, it's real easy to read by, and that's one of the disadvantages of just reading as opposed to memorizing. When I memorized this, I saw deeper into it, as you folks know. So I'm going to try to stop saying that. But what I'm trying to say is that I think it is important that a person memorize the verses that they're really wanting to understand. Anyway, so it says, faithful witness. Okay, we understand that. First begotten of the dead. That's the important part. You see, if you don't understand that Jesus is the first begotten of the dead— then when we get to first fruits and understanding the, the barley harvest, then you may miss that. So understanding that Jesus was the first begotten of the dead is going to be important. So what's he saying? He's saying that Jesus was the first one to come out of the grave. Now, it's not the glorified body that he's going to ultimately get because he changes from lamb to lion, from prince of the kings of the earth, as we're about to see in a minute, unto the king of kings and lord of lords. But he's the first one, to come out of the grave to be part of the end times. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto God and to his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. So that's kind of an overview of what Jesus did. Because he loved us, he washed us from our sins in his own blood, and as a result, he has made us kings and priests. Now, does that mean that everyone whose name is in the book of life is a king and a priest? No. It means those people that are washed in the blood, and that's the multitude that stands before the throne of God, and from those people, and the Bible says only those who have their name in the book of life are the only ones allowed to enter into the golden city, the new Jerusalem, that sits on top of the one and only mountain. And from that group, is chosen the marriage supper of the Lamb. Those who are ready get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and that happens on the last Pentecost. Verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. It's saying even the people that are hiding underground, and by the way, the only ones that will be alive after Jesus returns on the day of trumpets, after the day of the Lord, the only ones that would be alive after the burning of the tares will either be the Christians or those people that did not take the mark, but they didn't receive Jesus either, the nations. We'll get into that too. But those are the people, 
every, at that point, everyone that is alive is living underneath the ground. But even though they're under the ground and Jesus returns in the clouds, every eye sees him, even the people underground. That's really important. Behold, he cometh with clouds. And we'll talk about that, too, because that's important. And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. All of the people whose names are not in the book of life, they wail. They, it is not a good and a happy day for them. Verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Now that is him basically signing this letter. So now the letter begins. And he tells how he got the letter. I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation. I remember when I was memorizing this, I used to think that the two witnesses were Enoch and Elijah. Because Hebrews 10.27 says it appointed a man once to die and then the judgment. So a person can conclude that since Enoch and Elijah did not die, that they would be the two witnesses that would come back. However, that's not exactly accurate. When I was memorizing this, I just read past because it, it bothered my theology. It bothered my understanding at the time. And that's an important point. We have to be willing to change our opinion. For example... I used to believe in a pre-trib rapture until Prophet Gene Bacon invited me to come to a meeting where he was going to be speaking through it. And when I saw it in the scriptures, I immediately changed my opinion. And I think that's a very good piece of advice for all of us. If so We can be shown in the scriptures that our understanding is not full, and that's what it was. It's not that I was wrong is so much as I didn't have the full understanding of it. When I saw the full understanding, I saw that the pre-trib rapture, the mid-trib rapture, the pre-wrath rapture, I saw that's all incorrect, so I changed my opinion. Well, as we go through this, I changed my opinion a whole lot in a lot of different areas about Revelation when I memorized it, and that's a pretty good piece of advice for all of us. When we see a different opinion, we see more truth, we get more information, as we go through studying, we should be willing to change our opinion because our opinion doesn't count. The only thing that counts is what the Word actually says. So he says, I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation. I saw that and I thought, wow, is he saying that he's going to be here with us in the tribulation? Is he saying that he is going to be one of the two witnesses? Is he saying that he was already shown, he already knows that he's going to be here walking the streets of Jerusalem with us during the tribulation? I believe that's exactly what he's saying, but it bothered my theology at the time. So <laughs> I just read on. Okay. I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation, in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, now, hang on. That word patience, that's really, really important. As we read through Revelation, that word patience is going to be there actually a lot. So let me explain. See, our definition of patience today is don't get angry, don't say anything, uh, don't react, okay? It's, it's just a pause. It's don't do something dumb, okay? Have patience. But that's not the definition as Revelation gives patience. Patience in Revelation means don't quit. Don't quit Jesus. Don't give up. Don't get mad. Don't get offended. In other words, it's saying stay with Jesus. Now, let me read that again. 
I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. He's saying, I made a decision to accept Jesus. I follow Jesus. I don't quit Jesus. I don't take the mark. I don't quit no matter what. Was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And if you read Fox's book of martyrs, it says that he was boiled in oil. And when they pulled it, they tried to kill him kind of like Demetri Dudem, and they put him on the electric chair twice, couldn't kill him. Well, they boiled John in oil, and they couldn't kill him. And he was so ugly after they pulled him out of the boiling oil that they banned him to the island of Patmos. And that's what he's saying. He says, I'm here on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and because I keep the testimony of Jesus Christ. He did not bend. He did not buckle, just like Demetri. Demetri did not tell how to get the Bibles through, and he did not deny Jesus. So what John is saying is I was tested very harshly to get to be in the position to get what I'm about to give to you. That's very important to understand. Verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. What he's saying is I was caught up in just worshiping and just loving on Jesus. He was probably singing worship songs and praise and just quoting verses to him out of the Bible. He was in a spirit of worship. So as he is worshiping Jesus on the Lord's day, and for a Jew, that would be the seventh day or the Sabbath, or that would be after the Friday night sundown and before the Saturday sundown. So he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. And all of a sudden, he hears this behind him. He says, And I heard behind me a great voice, as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea, which in that day and time, were actually seven physical located churches on earth. Now, why did he tell him to write a letter and send it to seven different churches? Well, part of it was he had something to say to those seven different churches. However, it also was a confirmation so that none of the other churches could change a word of it, because that way they could compare the manuscripts that they received, and no one is going to be able to add to or take away from this letter. So, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. In this case, it was in the mouth of seven churches that all received the same copy of the same letter. And it's very important for us to know that this is all from God. So, up to this point, the primary thing he's saying in all of this is, I guarantee you that this is all from God. Now, he tells what happened. I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. So try to imagine this. John is in the spirit. He's worshiping on the Lord's day. All of a sudden, he hears this voice. This voice says all of this before John can even turn around. So it was not a voice like you're hearing right now from me. This was a vision. This was a spirit. This was a revelation. He heard that in a split second before he could even turn around. So John then turns around to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw a vision. The vision was, I saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst of the seven candlesticks 
one like unto the Son of Man. Now, another place, he explains that a little bit better, and I'll just tell you in advance. I don't think that those candlesticks were around him in a circle in terms of like one was at the six o'clock position, one was at the top as in the 12 o'clock position, and Jesus was in the center. I think that those seven candlesticks were like sitting on the ground, and Jesus was standing in the middle of them. That doesn't necessarily mean he was touching the ground. He may have been suspended